Welcome to another fun-filled episode of Seishura, the Music Explorers podcast. Uh, as always, I'm Scoot Magoo. I'm Jim Jam. And as always, uh, just stumbling right out of the gate. That's just kind of uh, our regular, regular tradition. Sorry yep. about that. But we have a very fun and probably more on the experimental side yes. for our usual uh, monthly review roundup. Uh, to say yeah. that a very... Interesting collection and this really is our most bizarre round. Yeah, I was so gonna far. say really, really only one album that I would classify as like quasi linear or normal. Yeah, and even then, that's you know that's a bit of a stretch. But uh, yeah, I, I guess we'll just start out with that one. Uh, yeah. It is the new Orphan Donor album, Unraveled, which is a name that immediately caught my attention. Yeah, um, it's, it's it, and also they have great really, name. Really, yeah, really, really fun. Well, I mean, I guess fun is a relative term, but like, I I like their album covers. Yes. Uh, I first heard about them through the blog. Uh, this is um, God. The name is escaping me, but the main, I think, the drummer from another band in like this kind of grind scene. Um, oh, Secret Cutter. Yeah, I'm glad. Thank, thank you. Basically, uh, I have never heard of that. Yeah, they're they're I, I like them too. Uh, but in twenty twenty, came out with old patterns, um, and it was definitely very. Uh, I I would say a bit more. I mean, not to give too much away, a bit more grindy, a bit more you know, kind of a you know, fast and dirty version of what we got on Unraveled. But you know, I thought the name was cool. I, I enjoyed. Kind of the energy and the intensity. Um, mm. And by the way, this guy's name is uh, Jared Stimpfee. Um, so they. How, how do you spell that? Uh, S T. You asked me just as I clicked away from. Oh, oh S T I M P F I. Stimpfee. Stimpfee. Okay. Um, All right. And this is a little different because he wrote and performed everything on old patterns. And on this one, uh, so he, you know, still, Jared does all the instrumentals, everything. Uh, really? This time he has Chris Pandolfo of a band called Clouds Collide, which I'm not going to pretend I, I know. Uh, but he does vocals, which was the first thing I noticed on this new project, Unraveled, which I would say I, I the cover of this is just awesome. It yeah. looks, it, it looks like... A panel from a comic book I wish existed. Yes, and I'd love I love. You know what? So there's a uh, there's a Simpsons comic that is like an itching, scratchy thing, and and like there's a scene where like he like takes apart his insides, and it looks just like this album cover. Yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a great album cover. I love it. And, yeah, and so it, this... it's it's very indicative of the music. I yeah. Would say. So this one definitely off the it's one of those things just looking over the two releases, pretty apparent off the bat this is gonna be somewhat different. Uh, most of the songs on old patterns were anywhere from you know two to three and a half minutes, a lot on the shorter side kinda lends itself more towards the the grindy focus of that album. Uh, this one songs are uh, by and large, uh, actually across the board much longer. I I, oh, yeah. I think I don't think it's, yeah, there's no songs on this that 
are less than about you know four minutes and change, uh, and the finale is eleven minutes. Uh, which I mean, in and of itself, doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to, um, you know, be different. But I guess in this case, it kind of gave me a little bit of pause, just because it's kind of hard to make a five minute grindcore song. Not impossible, but it's hard to make it and have it kind of stay, you know, maintain the same vibe. Um, and especially with the for fans of changing to include uh, Isis, Cursed, you know, uh, Celeste, which are, are bands that are a bit more on the, um, I guess, melodic side, but mainly just kind of more expansive side. And that is definitely mm-hmm. what we got on Unraveled. Uh, still some fast, intense parts. Uh, definitely a lot more on the scream out of the spectrum, which I'm guessing Clouds Collide, the, the band that you know, he's got a new vocalist from collaborating with probably is on this you know a little bit higher pitch a little bit more kind of with an emotional slant um and yeah i i i liked it i definitely missed the grindy parts uh, i kind of wish that there was at least you know one or two songs in here that were just kind of short bursts of energy but I, I did enjoy the new direction for you know i liked that it was a little bit sludgier uh it kind of was a nice amalgamation of, of, of sounds in that regard. It wasn't, you know, full-on Screamo, it wasn't full-on Sludge, and I thought Celestial Morning was was a pretty a pretty cool finale, so uh, it's, it's one of those moments where I think if I heard this for the first time, you know, if I had discovered Orphan Donor with this album, I probably would like it more, just because I went into it hoping for a little bit more of what I got on their debut, which is, you know, it's always, you know, we don't listen to music in a vacuum, so, you know, it's in some ways, that's unfair, but if I try my best to listen to this objectively, quote-unquote, uh, I think this is really well done, and definitely anyone who likes the broader world of sludge, noise rock, a little bit of grind, maybe some screamo, I think this is worth a listen. It's, it's definitely definitely a good time, you know, in as much as those genres can be a, a good time. Um, uh, which are, I mean, I feel like they're always a good time. I don't know. So, so, so I don't. I don't usually think screamo and good time, but I guess yeah. I, I guess it could be I, fun I in mean, its own way. I I don't really think of this as a bunch of a screamo album. Or, uh, yeah, I will but, say that there's there's elements of screamo in forming yeah, it, but it's not it's it, not it's definitely not through and through. There are parts like especially on the opening track, Pendulum Grip, that kind of reminded me of. Um, do you remember the band The Drowned God? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of gave me those vibes a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, of just like or of um, almost like I and and I'm really pulling here because it's been a while since I've listened to this, but um, uh, Worm Rot. Uh, oh, okay. They, like more yeah. I think the album's voices. If yeah, I remember where right. they they changed from a pure grind band to yeah, try, yeah, 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 a little bit. Um, yeah. So, I I guess I I just think that's it's sort of funny the way you you're talking about this album. I guess in terms of genre, because I just didn't see a lot of that. Um, like I I kind of I saw this as kind of like a hardcore album, and you kind of like a like. Uh, I, I mean, I like I wrote down like I'm reluctant to call it mathcore, but like it definitely has like that kind of like edge to it, um, where it feels like it's it's willing to just kind of, uh, you know, dance to a different beat, in mm-hmm. a way. Uh, but I, I actually wrote down that it it sounded to me it it says uh, I don't know, it's like some hate hate breed fanboys tried to pull more from Converge and Dillinger. Almost. Oh, okay. All right. Like it, it, I, I still feel like that that beat down type of sludginess kept type of going on, 
but it's really like their own thing. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, honestly, I mean, I, I feel like I probably want to listen to it a few more times. Um, but I mean, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I really loved, you know, the production on it. Like I thought it was just really, really well, like just, just that right amount of crunchy that you'd expect from like someone like Kurt Ballou. Um, you know, uh, I, I, there's this part in Pendulum Grip where, um, there's like these dissonant chords ringing out, uh, that, and there's like this reverberation that goes with them. And like, when I heard that for the first time, like I kind of like perked up and I was like, whoa, what? Mm. Like, what, what's going on? Like, it, and it was like, definitely like an eye opening moment for the album. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, it's like, I, I really like this. I, you know, I, it's, see, when we talk about these things, sometimes we, we, are very quick to say oh this is going to be here or you know somewhere on the list at the end of the year and i'm like I, honestly given uh sort of my own music listening experiences this year i really don't have much of a list going at the moment so i just can't say right now mm-hmm. but i mean i i will say my time with this was enjoyable i i I still feel like there are parts that I really need to sort of give more listens to, not to say that they were um, unenjoyable parts. Mm -hmm. It's more like, you know, something like Celestial Morning, where, like, there's just a lot going on, you know, just considering just how stretched out it is. And so I feel like it deserves a little more time Mm -hmm. uh, to sort of gestate and, you know, kind of work through my mind. But... I mean, yeah. I, maybe it's because I don't have the same context you do um, with the band, yeah. but and I, I think I, I'll say, I think it's interesting that you mentioned how um, you know, kind of like we heard different genres here, and I think it might be because I'm I'm picturing how they got from their first album to this album, like what kind of if you think of it as like a making a cocktail, like what they what they added to the mixture to get to where they're going. So mm. I, I think ultimately what you're saying probably may, is more accurate in terms of what it sounds like. I'm just thinking of like what they what they did to to kind of you yeah know. I yeah I mean, to be fair I I feel like sort of the genres that we're talking about are all very you know um, they they always rub elbows with each other yeah they're adjacent a lot yeah. you know how like you know uh, didn't Converge and Napalm Death do like a split they did a split yeah they yeah. did. Like, just, you know, like, just, there's a lot of overlap when it comes to these, these scenes. So I don't really, I'm not, you know, I, I, I guess trying to pigeonhole it is, is kind of a futile attempt because I think yeah. there's just, there, there's a lot of moving parts and I don't really know if they're exactly thinking about it the same way we are yeah. uh, going into it. Um, like I, you know, me and my mind kind of went to, um, uh, do you remember when Sayor uh, did like a side project that was more like second wave black metal? I um, don't actually. That sounds cool. Yeah. Man, um, I, how did what, I miss what's his that? name? Is it Andy Timmons? I want to say. Is that right? Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't remember that. Um, yeah, I well, it was one of the few things that I actually did like a proper review for on Heavy Blog when I was writing for them. Um, and it, I mean, it was was it Fwaf? Is that the name I don't of know. it? I, I, I really don't. I, I remember the the album cover was like uh, like a really dark painting of like sort of like it almost looked like a like a Norwegian forest 
you know? Oh, yep, or that's like, it. Like, yep. Yeah. I remember okay. that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but, I, I mean, I was just thinking, just because, like, that's a similar thing where you have somebody from a different project, you know, taking in certain having this sort of side project thing going on where they're exploring sort of a different sound. Um, and I think with, you know, that specific project, um, it, I, I feel like there was more of an intention, but I don't really mm. know the exact intentions going on here, yeah. but n- nonetheless, there's, I, I, I just feel like having that difference between like a side project and like, a, a you know, but the difference between a side hustle and a main, you know, main squeeze type of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah yes so yeah overall positive vibes here yeah for sure and I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it i definitely enjoyed it too just uh um yeah i i think it, again I, I i you know perfect world i would have liked a little bit more of the grind elements from his debut but i, I think that what came out here was still you know really cool and i appreciate mm-hmm the amalgamation of styles that he he brings together which is 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 really cool um now we're moving on to an album that i was excited to talk about yeah for a long time what's the story behind this i was excited for it because of you know who was releasing it and just kind of um you know i was i was interested in, in you know uh I was interested to see what it had to offer. So I, I got excited about it before hearing it, which um, maybe was a little bit of a, you know, a little bit. Um, yeah, like, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Like, I definitely uh, I definitely enjoyed this thing. It is uh, In the Quarter Column by Tongue Depressor. Uh, it was released by Red Scroll Records in Wallingford, Connecticut, which is one of my oh, favorite. I, I did know that Red Scroll actually has a, uh, a record label. Yeah, I, I knew they I knew they released stuff. I for some reason I thought they were more on like the metal hardcore end of the spectrum. And so I mean I saw the you know, the the photo of the band and I saw the album cover, I was like, Oh, I could see this being like a hardcore grind you know, power balance thing. Uh when <laughs> nope. I yeah, when I bought the record, uh I bought it completely blind. I mean it was it was pretty cheap. Uh I liked the the pressing, I liked the album cover, and I just I like supporting Red Squirrel because I found so many great albums there. Um and I trust their creation. Uh, this is not even remotely close to what I thought it was going to sound like whatsoever. Like, this is probably probably the most... And, and again, it's not... Part of it is just because of the context. Like, they just... They have kind of like a, you know, DIY punk vibe in a way. And mm. this is not that at all. Uh, this is a duo that basically uses a, a variety of string instruments and techniques with, you know, microtonal off filter tuning uh I, I couldn't pinpoint where in the album that occurs but definitely i guess it, um, so, it sounds it, like it's in uh the the second track the, yeah the mean, organ is a microtonal organ okay yeah i mean like i i, I could i can't say I, I can accurately pull out like what's dissonant what's microtonal whatever unless it's super obvious like you know juke I, or like if you listen to like i would just say next time you have it on just listen to the organ because it's you can kind of tell in a way it, it's yeah. it, it, it can be difficult to tell because a lot of microtonal music is dissonant just by nature but it doesn't always have to be yeah uh, and i feel like this kind of has a weird little balance between it in a way nice like it I... but anyway go on good sir yeah so we have you know two 
Um, let me go. Over. I think they're they're around like fifteen minute. Yeah, 20, yeah, 20 they're minutes. they're uh you know fifteen minutes and some change each. Yeah, and it's it's definitely. Inter- I mean, the tough thing is that I think for 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 what it is, I really like it, and maybe I'm I'm hedging myself too quickly just because. I just, this is not at all, you know, again, I expected some kind of, like, hardcore project, and this is a, um, this is, like, an ambient drone project that yeah. uses, like, like, like you know, contrabass, pedal steel, like, a bunch of different instruments, uh, but I thought it was really cool. I, I mean, I think, this is definitely something I would like putting on in the in the background. Like I enjoyed the vibe, you know, like listening to this while I was working. Obviously, I worked you know home alone. It was cool to have this fill the house. Um, what, they, what did the dog think of it? She is pretty pretty chill about. Um, yeah, I mean, I've sent I send you videos of of her listening to Zorn and um, <laughs> yeah, which is um, still funny. Uh, what was it? Oh, Nine Inch Nails. The, don't you yeah. fucking... And it literally, it's just her, like, looking super unimpressed in her cage. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I just, um, you, you, I just remember your text. Just like, Daddy, you, why is the bad man angry? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, again, I, I don't really have anything negative to say about this, you know, per se. I, I think it just... It, it's... Um, it kind of has a, appeal to a point this style of music in the sense that you know you listen to it you absorb it uh in a way it's kind of like you know why i go to listen to someone like lauren connor's where yeah. you just kind of let the the guitar work and the the ideas waft over you but um yeah i, I mean with improvisation you know drone like this kind of amalgamation of sounds it's it's definitely something that that you just kind of experience, you have to be in the right mood for, and I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely enjoyed it, you know, and, and I just, I think p- part of why I felt, I felt so weird about it is because I recommended it blind to you, and I just, I was excited about like the concept of what this could be, and it kind I, of, it got away of, from me. Out of curiosity, so you did you not listen to it until we, you know, until you recommended it? Uh, I didn't listen to it until the record came in, which was after, like, I, I got it after I, I could stream it, and I waited to listen to it. But I recommended it after, um, you know, after, like, reading into it, I was like, you know what, like, this could, this could be cool. Like, this could be something that you might like. So, yeah, I definitely, I recommended it and suggested we talk about it. You know, I, it was after I knew what we were getting into, but not, like, not sonically, if that makes sense. Like I conceptually, like I knew at that point that we weren't going to be listening to like a hardcore record, uh, but I yeah. didn't. I didn't know what it sounded like per se. Yeah. All right. So, so, so moment of truth, like overhyped, and you know. No, I was just I was more curious about just the whole story behind this because the way you were talking about it, you were like I, it, sa- it sounded like there was going to be a, like this insane story where like oh you knew the person or you know et cetera, et cetera, no. and, you know um, I actually really like this um, you know it's definitely not without um, a little I, I definitely have a little bit of um, you know sort of things to point out that didn't really resonate with me. Um, but I, 
I enjoyed it a lot on the whole. Uh, I really loved the first track. Everyone was there. Um, I also, I think, I'm pretty sure that this isn't really improvised. Um, I was looking, if you read the description of Bandcamp, apparently they're using a lot of, uh, like, tape loops and stuff. Um with this uh you can really you can hear it with the first track that there's that um actually apparently the first track is just um pedal steel and it's a tape loop of it but then the one of the other members of the duo who doesn't play uh pedal steel is manipulating the tape loop Mm -hmm. as it keeps repeating which is a really cool idea i loved how it sounded like it just it, it actually reminded me a lot of the um, some parts on the Oteoni record that we uh, reviewed a few months ago. Um, just has like this creepy vibe to it, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess foreshadowing for our next uh, mm-hmm. our our next album. But um, yeah, it was. I I loved sort of that droney experimental vibe to it. It, it kind of. Now that I'm really thinking about it, it reminds me of like if some someone like Golden Retriever, uh, you know, um, like sort of collaborated with like Nurse with Wound, in a way. Mm, like it, I can see that. Yeah, uh, which also I, I really wish that Golden Retriever would put out another album because they're a great band. Um, but um, yeah, I I really enjoyed this. Um, I, I will say I think the second track, uh, singing was really it was also interesting but i i felt like it went on a little longer than maybe it needed to Mm. um which is such a strange argument to bring up when talking about like kind of like a drone record um because you know it's like that's the whole fucking point almost is you know but i I feel like (coughs) there's um definitely my i i mean it was less obvious to me on the second listen than the first that you know just um sometimes i i I just felt like it's slightly overstated welcome on that Mm -hmm. second track but you know overall like i i I just think that this is something that it's it's difficult to describe because it there's a lot um there's simultaneously like a lot and very little going on at the same time yeah um you know there's you know, I, I, I feel like this album kind of trades what you would get with, you know, um, you know, more traditional, I, I say traditional and experimental music kind of, you know, I, I guess it trades complexity in, you know, in composition for complexity in texture and general atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it pays off, you know. Um, I will. I, I I also just want to point out too. If you go to this these guys Bandcamp page, uh, on their tags, um, there is so experimental drone hymns, microtonal noise, and then my favorite snake handling. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, which I just thought was really funny. Yeah. Um, but I, I I guess apparently they they put uh it says that that they will sometimes put rearranged slash retuned fragments of American church music, so. I could kind of see the snake handling thing, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, but yeah, I as like I I thought this was really cool. I I did not know that it was Red Scroll that put this out, which is really awesome. I really want to look into what they're doing a little more now. Um, yeah, I mean, just 
again, positive vibes. You know, uh, I guess if I think another complaint, and I mean, this is more on me than it is them. So I can't really, I, I don't really know whether how valid it'd be, but you know, I just don't use Bandcamp a ton. Yeah. And that's the only place that this thing is available on. And I, I totally get it because, you know, you're probably going to make, you know, I think for a band of this size, you know, putting it out on Bandcamp exclusively probably makes the most sense financially uh, because it's not, you know, you, you're not, it's not costing you any money. Um, yeah. As opposed to, you know, trying, I mean, you can put it on like iTunes and stuff, but you're not, it's, it's a little more difficult. Um, yeah. Yeah, I had that thought. I was glad to see the Orphan Donor because at first it wasn't on Apple Music and it eventually was on there. Um, yeah, but, sometimes, you know, the, you have to wait until like release day or what have you. Yeah, for, I think for it, that it was even a, a little bit delayed, but, but eventually it was on there. Um, yeah. yeah, I was, I saw that and I was like, oh, like hopefully. You know, it's not. It's not yeah, too, you know. I mean, you know, it's it, if if the album's good, it's worth you know. Like I, yeah. it, I, I'm fine listening to it on Bandcamp. It's just it's it's more of a personal preference. It's not something that I would calculate into you know my thoughts on the album. Like unless it's like you know like sometimes there are those albums on Bandcamp that you can't listen to entirely without buying, and th- that's like okay, then I'm just not gonna buy it. You know, yeah, and that that was my thought at first. I think it was right around release date. They only had one of the tracks on, and I was like, "Oh man!" Like, hopefully they have both on, because otherwise, you know, it's kind of moot. But um, yeah, but I mean, I, mean, I think worst case, I I would have, you know, you could have just sent me something, you know. But yeah. it's it's something else. Uh, something I would prefer to. But yeah, the, the other other thing I want to point out is that you're right that uh, uh about like the composition or like the performance composition, whatever, but. Uh, in this this sentence, they you know it says you know the duo they write, improvise and perform. Which right? I mean, I yeah. know I know like it doesn't have to be a hundred percent, but like write and improvise next to each other is kind of an interesting dichotomy. I guess it depends how you yeah. how you execute. Well, but the, the the two can become one sometimes. I mean, I I, I could go on for days about that. That yeah. you know one could argue that improvisation is just composition in real time. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I, I think, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, like, I mean, Can is a really good example of a band that, you know, will use, imp- like, improvisation as a composition tool. Mm-hmm. That they'll rework what they just improvised on, you know, via tape and just splice it around and make it work in a different way. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, I, I, from what I was reading on this uh, description, it just didn't seem to be... Uh, incredibly, um, you know, Im- improvised in terms of, you know, things. But I mean, again, we're we're, we're not we're not tongue depressor, so we can't really make that call definitively. Yeah. Um. We, we we are not them. Also, yeah. I I will say so a little bit in my defense, like tongue depressor just sounds like a punk band name. Yeah. Like it's like that sounds more fitting, but you know. I'm, I mean, the, the the album cover does look a little like uh like it would be like a grindcore or hardcore record. Yeah. Uh, but it also kind of looks like it would be a Nurse with Wound album as well. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting. I really like the cover, and that was one of the yeah. reasons I was excited about it. So. Yeah, um, it's it, it is really interesting to look at. Um, um, yeah, got it, d- definitely check this out. I think if if anybody's interested in like drone music and things like that, because uh, I I think this thing is is worth listening to yeah um absolutely yeah uh and we are going to continue orphan donor was definitely the most 
you know, normal. quote unquote, normal of these yeah. releases, and we're going to continue on a more uh, off-beaten path. And our yes. next album is Jade by Pandai Jing. Yes. Which I will let you take away. And yeah. yeah. So I okay. I you know out the gate, I am not an expert by any means on Pandai Jing. Um, I I've known of her for a few years now when she put out her, her uh, debut. I think it's called Lack on uh ironically uh, a label called pan records uh oh, interesting. the two are yeah the two are unaffiliated uh or, you know what i mean it, it, she, she she doesn't own it uh but she is a chinese uh you know avant-garde experimental musician kind of a performance artist um who i think she's based in berlin right now um and i mean she lack got a lot of pretty critical acclaim uh, i never i don't think i really listened to it um, when it came out, because I, I, I can't remember why, but it always intrigued me, um, you know, just sort of the way it was being described. Um, and so when, uh, I think the Quietus kind of announced when this thing was coming out, when this thing got announced, they, they did a piece on it, and uh, just the album cover alone looked really interesting. And uh, so I, you know, I, you know, for, for this month's uh, album reviews, I literally just took two albums that came out this month that was on my calendar. And I'm like, okay, we're going to do those. <laughs> you know, it was like, it took me all of, all of a minute to figure out. Um, and yeah, so, yeah. So, so I guess to go into the sound of this thing, this is like um, kind of, see, I, it's sort of difficult to pin this thing down in a way because I, I, I don't want to pigeonhole it um, because I think there's a lot going on that's very much doing its own thing. But there's a lot of reminders for me of similar sort of electronic, female-led electronic projects that are going on right now, like Puce Mary, Pharmacon, Lingua Ignota, uh, even, you know, maybe even Laurie Anderson to mm. a certain extent. Um, you know, Ote Oni uh, as well. You know, just a lot of these uh, female musicians, you know, doing a lot of experimental electronic work um, that often sounds just fucking creepy um, and, you know, kind of incorporates all these different ideas of noise and, you know, uh, sort of experiments and synthesis, but also just this uh, sort of vague aspect of performance art. Uh, which is such a strange thing to kind of bring into music, um, but you can kind of feel it at times because, you know, the way uh, Panda Jing performs vocally on this has a very performance art, you know, Laurie Anderson-ish kind of mentality to it um, at times. That, that, that's sort of the vibe I got. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, man, I... I don't even know where to start with that. How about uh, let's just hear what, what what did you think of this? I mean, I'm I'm assuming that you you got freaked out by this like you did with the Oteoni album. It um, it did, yeah. I don't know something <laughs> about this specific uh, style. I think it was a little bit different because uh, that in Puce Berry. Uh, I think I, I tried listening to those for the first time. No, Pewsbury, I tried listening to the first time at night, and that was a horrible idea. Yeah. Um, and Oteoni, it was just, I think it was it was like my own anxiety with work. It was just bad, you know, a bad mixture. Uh, I listened to this during during the day, 
before starting work. So there you go. Perfect. You know, Pet- petting the dog. Yeah, and, per- yeah. perfect middle ground. Um, musically, this had a lot of elements. You know, I think the artists you mentioned are really, um, really apt comparison. Uh, There's just kind of dark, you know, soundscape. It basically sounds like a, a horror soundtrack that you know, like a soundtrack for a horror movie that doesn't exist. Uh, in mm. some ways, this kind of reminded me of a more contained version of the, or, or a little bit artsier, less. I mean, not to contradict myself right off the bat, but like a less soundtrack, like a more album-oriented take on what Disaster Piece did with the It Follows soundtrack. Like, it gave me vibes of that kind of, you know, like, like tense but still musical approach, but definitely more on the, um, definitely more on the album spectrum than, you know, I mean, like, like a soundtrack, a lot of times, like, you, you kind of know, you know, in a way, it, like, has a different feel to it. Yeah, I mean, um, th- th- there, there's a level of abstraction, yeah. definitely. But, 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 but still, it. this definitely had that, that vibe. Uh, but I, I think what separated this for me was I loved her vocals and specifically... The I totally get the the sound art performance art like that her delivery definitely gave me that those vibes um, and I really really liked her singing her delivery I love the lyrics I wish I wrote it down I was uh, mainly you know listening on the go you know this weekend um, but there was one was it you know like I bathe in the ocean was that a line yes for whatever reason that line in conjunction with the music really struck me and it just there are moments like that throughout the album that really, really grabbed me. Uh, this is definitely an album I want to dive into more, but I really, really enjoyed my time with it. Um, yeah, it it's funny. I, I have written down, it's, well, what is with these amazing Chinese women making amazing electronic music? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I love it. I, I It's it's really eye-opening uh, to sort of see what these, you know, what these women are capable of. Um I, I really and I, you know, it kind of rem- so. This is weird. This is going to be a strange um, sort of description, but I always consider this more of like, like Ote Oni in in my mind is more. It felt like she was playing more with like samples, and like you know more like live instrumentation. Whereas you know Pandai Jing just feels like she's really hidden hard into like the synthesized. Mm-hmm. sort of portion of things and so you know there's kind of like this digital grit to everything that's going on and it's it, it works super well yeah um i i really like this too a lot um yeah i mean this probably this might be my favorite out of the ones we we listened to today um for for this week but um yeah i mean it's just they i i, I think there's just a lot going on though um, you know, it's, and it's, I, I think as a result, you know, I feel like I need to listen to it a few more times to really get more of a handle on it. But like what I've listened to is so intriguing and just so well designed and well composed that it's like, uh, yeah, I, I'm, it, it just blows me away at some points. So, Yeah. Yeah, I, was, uh, I had not heard of her or, or this record, or you know, this was not my radar at all. So I, I appreciate you bringing it to my attention. Uh, it's definitely yeah. definitely an album I want to listen to more. And is there? I mean, I guess just calling it music videos might be weird, but like, does she have videos of her like perform? Because I, 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 I don't would know. Love to, I 
I would like to see some performances of, of her playing music. I, I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, because I would say this and Ote Oni definitely feels like... Um, it feels like like a really experimental play I, I, would, I would love to go to. Like It feels like a perfect soundtrack for something like that. Um, yeah. And it would work really, really well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, in my mind, I, I, I kind of imagine... Um, remember, the, remember the video for uh, Scissors by Shushu? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I, I almost imagine, like, that type of thing happening, that it's, like, this, like, weird horror movie type of aesthetic going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe something like, uh, you ever heard of the film Begotten? No. Uh, it's, it's, it's this weird, um, it's, like, a non-narrative horror film, basically, and it's filmed on really, it's, like, really, really grainy and stuff. It's, it's super abstract. Um, I don't think I ever finished watching it, but it's it, it's an interesting movie uh, for sure. And I just feel like that would be kind of that aesthetic in a way. Um, I'm gonna check that yeah. out. We've been uh, it's it's a weird ass art film. Just warning ahead of time. We've been trying to watch more. We take the strategy of watching horror movies during the day because. That is how we get through it. Uh, we watched one this weekend that was really good. It was called uh, His House. It was a Netflix original, which kind of, it, it would combine, it was like partially like a commentary on like refugees and like how they're treated, in this, in this case, England. But it had a really interesting like, you know, African tribalism, voodoo, like mythology angle to it. It was really, really cool. Um, and again, the music in that was also cool. And I just, I, I feel like, I feel like there's a reason that style, and I, I, not, not to say that any of these artists we've talked about, this is like what they're thinking about going into an album, but I think there's a reason that you, you see kind of a you know, popularity of, of horror soundtracks. Um, like, I, I think of, uh, what was the, the Stephen King, um, the St- Stephen King a- adaptation, like 1940-something? I think Mike Patton and someone else collaborated on like that got like a pretty big vinyl push. Obviously, it follows for you know by disaster. Wait, piece. what? Yeah. What is this thing with Stephen King and Mike Patton? No, it's it's not the two of them. Sorry, like one, one sec. Uh, let me find it because it was actually a really good movie. I enjoyed it. I, um, are you talking oh, about the place between the pines? Oh no, uh, ni- nineteen twenty-two. Oh yeah. oh I I I okay I I remember this now. Yeah, yeah. And, and Mike Patton did which I. I have to be honest, I, I was expecting... I'm glad that it wasn't, like, a typical Mike Patton project because the the narrative of the movie would not fit that at all. Um, I, but, I would love to hear a Mike Patton score a movie using just his voice. That would definitely I, just, be interesting. I, I don't think I, I would, would love work, that. Yeah, I don't think it would work for this project, but I... Yeah, I, I, um, yeah uh, I, 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 I'm... Oh, because I feel like that's such a that's something we talk about a lot at least or something that I like is kind of when you hear an electronic project I mean that's kind of the whole that's something you hear a lot about Hexagon because people say it sounds like a horror soundtrack without a yeah. movie like it's interesting that that's kind of it's own mini maybe not like subgenre, but it's it's own kind of subset of yeah. electronic I music mean, that's kind of gotten you know some steam they're all like kind of related to each other too I mean Ben Frost and uh, Bobby Kulik you know I are I'm pretty sure they have collaborated before if I remember right Um, yeah I mean it's 
yeah, it's super interesting uh, to sort of see that area of like film score and like electronic music and like experimental electronic music kind of like merge together. Um, I think a lot of that is because of uh, 824 um, mm-hmm. a bit. Um, anyway, yeah, so I, I we're, we're getting a little off track, but yeah, I mean, th- this was just this was an awesome album. I, I really can't wait to listen to this a few more times. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's, you know, I, I think we've made these comparisons to these other artists in it. Uh, but I, I feel like those are very, um, you know, they are comparisons at best, you know, like they, they they definitely aren't analogs Mm -hmm. for each other by any means. Uh, or at least, you know, like, um, as direct as one would think. I, I, I definitely feel like each of the people, like, you know, Puce Mary, Oteoni, Pharmacon, you know, etc., are really doing their own thing. And I think Pandaijing as well is really doing her own thing here. Um, and I just urge people to sort of, you know, explore that world for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I guess we're going to move on to our final album today. Yes, and it is. Do you want Alice, me to do it? Or? No, I just my, my locks. Okay. I had to open my lock screen. Uh, yeah. Alessandro Cortini. Yep. Scuro Chiara, which I'm yep. sure I pronounced all those words 100% correctly. Well, I, well <laughs> when I first saw this album, the album title, I'm like, it's like that isn't right. It's it's Chiaro Scuro. Like, like that, that's like right? <laughs> Like the 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 method of painting. Oh, is it? Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Dude, chiaroscuro did, is did, is uh is is like a type of painting. And did, um, did, did I get it wrong, or did he purposely? He no no. It, it's yeah. purposely okay. I, I, I so I I guess a little background first. Uh, Alessandro Cortini is an Italian electronic artist. Uh, he's probably most famous for being part of the Nine Inch Nails live band. Um, oh, okay. You know, for uh, a while, um, you know, uh, and he contributed to a few uh, Nine Inch Nails albums as well, you know, while they're recording in the studio. Um, he's also part of uh, Sonoyo, or Sono Oyo, I think is how it's pronounced. It, it's kind of like a side, side product of his Mod Wheel Mod as well. Um but uh, like the last few years, he's been doing his own. I mean, he, he's always kind of done his own solo projects, um, and this is just simply another one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I've known about Alessandro Cortini for a while now. Um, I've just I, you know I I listened to his album Avanti um, not too long ago. It was it's an, it's an interesting listen. I mean, it's, it's a lot, very similar to this, uh, but we'll get to that. But yeah, his he's very very much in um, firmly into electronic music. Um, you know, he has just just an amazing collection of studio gear that he works with. Uh, you know, to the point that I mean, he has like you know, uh, like he's designed stuff with with modular manufacturers um he actually just released uh this collaboration that he did with make noise this year called uh strega which is like this sort of miniature desktop semi-modular synth unit it's it's a strange thing um but you know he's 
he's definitely had an effect, you know, and an influence on the world of electronic music. Um, you know, I mean, it goes so, so far sometimes. Like, he, I guess he has a synclavier, which I don't know if you remember this, but it's a, um, it's what Frank Zappa used uh, when he started uh, working with electronic music. Um, it is this old, old synthesizer, like, sequencer type of thing that you have to, like, use a computer with, and it's, yeah. Anyway, uh, all this to say is he really he's one of those people who's always making music like i guess that's one of those things is that he makes it a goal for himself to make a piece of music every day so he just has just tons of material that's just laying around mm-hmm. that he just will just compile i think and just release and so um you know i think with the pandemic and everything i think that's you know he's been putting out uh, a bunch of releases as a result and i think that's been helping him a little bit mm-hmm. but scuro chiaro is is you know uh I think the first album he put out this year, I want to say. Um, yeah, and it's... There, there's a lot to unpack here, I think. Because it's... I, I think similar to, you know, something like Tongue Depressor or Pandaijing, that it's, it's... It's, like, duplicitously simple. Or, I'm sorry, uh, de- deceptively simple, in a way, that it... it can often feel like oh there's not a lot going on in here but i feel like it's 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 more like he's shifting the focus of his attention to sort of different details Mm -hmm. uh as a result you know and so i think you know he focuses a lot on texture and like rhythm i think in this album and um you know it's yeah it's just a lot because you know this is like it has like kind of this ambient feel to it but it's most definitely not ambient music, um, you know. I, like I wrote down that it's like a, it's like ambient music that's meant to actively be actively listened to. <laughs> yeah. In a way, um, but you know, th- there's a lot of white noise going on. You know, throughout it, it everything feels like it's being broadcast to you through fog. Ooh, um, that's a nice visual. Yeah, it, it's. It has like this cloudiness and this graininess to it that is is really really compelling. Uh, but I, I kind of want to hear you know your thoughts on this thing before we you know before I sort of jump on a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I thought this was great, and I think a lot of what you said is kind of you know along the lines of of what I was hoping to or you know, kind of what came to mind while I was listening to this. I mean, I, I loved specifically the, the rhythmic nature I, I love that this kind of it did have an ambient vibe in the sense that there was you know really textured soundscapes but I loved the central rhythm in each mm. song it definitely built it, it kind of gave me like a, a t- almost tangerine dream vibes in a way but like you know at yeah. least in, in, in that kind of compositional sense definitely it's well, more of it, it's it's funny if you look on rate your music a lot of his stuff is is kind of labeled under like progressive electronic music yeah uh, and I feel like that's like I can kind of see that but I also feel like it's maybe there because they don't really know what else to call it yeah that's true <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely there to an extent, but you know, it's sort of interesting to look at his influences. I actually just um, there's a really good podcast out there for people who you know are um, you know uh, interested in gear, but also music, uh, or you know 
just listening to music as well. It's called um, Hanging Out with Audiophiles. Uh, Jamie Liddell, uh, mm-hmm. who's a producer, uh, hosts it. It's super interesting. He did an episode with Alessandro Cortini, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, or something like that. Like it, Definitely in like the last month or so. Um, and it was really, really cool to sort of hear them talk and, you know, to hear Alessandro really go into, you know, so his, his own thought process with a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the rhythmic side of this thing is really interesting. I mean, I, I, I really like, I think my first listen, I was like, yeah, this is good. You know, uh, the second listen, I was like, this is really impressive. And like, I, I, I see that only improving with time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I love sort of, you know, th- there are just these little, it, it feels like he does something a little different with every track. Yeah. Uh, in, in it, but, but it doesn't feel, um, it doesn't feel like he's, he's trying to like mix it up in a way. Like it, it doesn't feel like it's like, oh, okay. I like, I need to do something weird here or, you know, like it, it, it feels, it has a very organic quality to it. Um, you know, specifically like the, so the last track, uh, Fiamma is, um, it has like this three, four time signature to it. And it was just like, I, I like the second time I sat down to it, I'm like, I, I don't, I, I like, when's the last time you've heard an electronic music piece that's in three, four time? Like, cause I, I can't think of it. Like, cause you know, you go to something like, um, like on a like like breakbeat like drum and bass and stuff mm-hmm. like and like that stuff's like in four four time most of the time or then but you know sometimes there's something like uh like Venetian snares that's like you know seven eight or whatever but like very rarely do you see something like this and it's just like this fucked up waltz that yeah. Alessandro Cortini's composed for us and it's it's super interesting and I, and I I don't know if you noticed the ending that he he says something near the like he he's like oh hey or you know like it, it like there's like this little snippet that i think got caught in the recording and i think they just left there and oh, it just ends the album i don't know i just i i found that really cool um the the track uh nasuno uh is probably my favorite track on here it has just like this i i love the way that it's sort of so it has like this main synthesizer riff kind of that kind of keeps it rooted but meanwhile you have a lot of this growth going on mm-hmm. around it and it's it's just it, and it kind of just piles up on top of each other like it, it's kind of it kind of reminds me of um i think the track's called uh tenement nosuke from um wakelift by uh the band rosetta um where it's just like this you know this one riff that goes on for like 15 minutes and as time goes on it just keeps expanding and expanding with noise mm-hmm. until it's just completely enveloped by it uh and it, it nasuno kind of reminds me of that a little bit uh, yeah i'm actually really glad you mentioned uh i, I guess I'm, I'm a plebe i did not know the art term or, but like, I mean, after you mentioned it, I, I Google it real quick, and that, that I mean, I knew that exists, like that concept, like you know, I, I could pinpoint that in classic art. But I feel like well, it's a very what um what 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 are you talking about? Oh, the the the, the name of the oh Chiaroscuro. Yeah. yeah, 
And yeah. I feel like it's a really apt description for like it's a really good name for the. I mean, there's kind of a art in that where you know artists can really aptly name their project. I feel like there are moments where I thought it was really you know, blissful, going in a more um, you know brighter direction, and other moments where I mean, it never got you know certainly as dark as as um, Pandagian. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I, I was. <laughs> I, I, I hate reinforcing the meme that we don't pronounce anyone's name correctly, so I, I hesitated. But anyway, it didn't yeah. get you know that dark, but I, there was just a great amount of balance, and I really agree with what you said, that it just felt like he was constantly... I mean, this is, you know, this is definitely an album, or, I mean, general electronic music could be a style where artists kind of fall into the trap of what, you know, kind of like what the album's about. Like, it just kind of, they repeat more or less the same ideas and just kind of don't expand beyond I mean that's true for a number of genres and I feel like if we got something different on you know like slightly different on every track we kind of tweaked what he was was trying to do and mm. yeah I mean it was you know for it, it was more dynamic than I thought it was going to be like I, I didn't know exactly what to expect it, it you know felt like an electronic album just based on the you know the context looking into it before I listened but I, I appreciated how you know this this was really refreshing I really really enjoyed this yeah i same here i mean i i just yeah i'm i i definitely want to sort of look into his his earlier work now because i mean there are some works that he's done that are like completely done on like modular and mm -hmm. like on like bootless systems and stuff like that and like that really gets like like my you know my, my thoughts racing in a good way mm -hmm. um like i i find that stuff really interesting and so to see him someone like him just attack that like you know you know with sort of his sensibility it just sounds really cool um mm -hmm. to me um yeah it was just yeah just great great album um you know and there definitely is like a visual quality to that that he's thinking about i feel like with these um albums like he definitely has uh a lot of that in mind i think so anyway um you know hey hence the title yeah uh, Sorry. Hey. Yep. Yes. Yep. It's our, yep. It's our, it's our scheduled uh, motorcycle. Scheduled motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, thankfully, we only have one more episode of of that, uh, and then I will be in a quieter place. So, uh, thank the Lord. A quiet place. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, I so I feel like unless you have any final words, I think it's, maybe we'll talk about albums of the week. Yeah, and, and why don't you take us away? Uh, I I wish you would take it away. Because All right, no, I no, have, no, no, no. Let me take it away because uh, yeah, uh, there yeah, are. I, I have no idea right yeah, now. So there's a certain mental list of albums that any time like I look for new music, whether I you know, go to the, the the record store or. Um, you know, look on Bull Moose, Discogs, or whatever. And after the announcement that Bull Moose, you know, kind of, you know, hat in hand, did, you know, rectify their wrongs to, yeah. to an extent. Uh, Bull, Moose is, uh, Bull Moose is like logic. They're back. <laughs> I, I know. Uh, I, I did a, a celebratory buy, and wouldn't you know, this time... Oh, wait, are, are, are they open? Uh, online, yeah. Okay, I, I all right. I ordered, so... Actually, I didn't even order from the Salem location, but, you know, it's all the same yeah company so but anyway i googled this artist this album and 
I it was there, and I just insta insta bought it. You know, I just I've wanted this album for a while. It's one of my favorites in their, um, you know, in their discography. Uh, it's definitely a band that you have a, a soft spot for, uh, which you will, you will you will pick up my sarcasm once I say who it is. Uh, it is Coloss by Mashuga. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, right, right, I, I, real soft spot. Yeah, right, right in my anus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I felt like o- over the arc of their career, uh, Destroy, Erase, Improve was... I mean, Contradictions Collapse was pretty... Um, it, it was it was pretty varied, but also it was kind of all over the place. Like, it, it it was very much like their thrash roots, you know, had, you know, alt-metal elements, prog-metal elements. Um, you know, Destroy, Erase, Improve was probably a good middle ground between like having a little bit more variety, a little bit of the thrashiness, but settling into that, you know, very much what you expect from a sugar album. And from there, and especially on Nothing, which I like a lot of the grooves on Nothing, but it is a very linear album. Like very, I mean, all the critiques you might have about a sugar album are very much on display and either you like it or you don't. Um, and yeah. Cash, Cash 33 takes that to an entirely different extreme it's literally one song stretched across um, multiple. Like it, it just it, like each song kind of leads into the next, and it's very much on that vein. I feel like Obzen and Coloss, Coloss, whatever. Um, they definitely made an exerted effort to have some dynamics, have not just have kind of the same structure of like introduce the riff, repeat it, maybe have a guitar solo, maybe pick it up here or there. Like there are definitely distinct. Um, like you know i am colossus the opening track you know very distinct um do not look down is like that that riff you know they, they definitely take different um approaches to you know different approaches to the, their usual formula and they push themselves in an interesting direction and then the, the finale the last vigil you know appropriate finale song uh it's a more melodic instrumental which is really cool for them so yeah this has always been one of my favorite of their records and and you know I don't I I haven't seen it for a long time so once I, once I did I, I I nabbed it right away you know, usually don't see their stuff you know that often there was a period of time where you know I I, I felt like I could you know weigh my options and, and feel like you know if I wanted to get it or not and now I rarely see it so when I do I I grab it so I'm I'm glad to have yeah. this in my collection I. Maybe I just haven't listened to enough Meshuggah, but like every Meshuggah riff to me sounds the same. It, and I, I, I'm probably going to piss off a lot of fans by saying that. Um, but I don't care. Because <laughs> I just I just don't get it. I just do not get that band. But, you know. I mean, we all have those bands. Like, there's nothing wrong. I, I made a joke just because I know it's like, once I bought it, I was like so excited about it. I was like, you. <laughs> I don't think you'll share my I, yeah. I, I I know someone who's gonna love this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. I. I mean. I. I probably. I. I maybe I should just give. I, I should probably give one of their albums another try. Uh, I've just have such a bad taste in my mouth. From, I would do what I have listened to. Definitely Obzen or Coloss. Uh, maybe destroy. I mean, destroy, erase, improve. I was gonna say nothing, but um, I mean, <laughs> is isn't that just... considered like their their best album i wasn't sure if you meant that it's funny like that could be the album or like i was thinking i just won't listen to them again i'll listen to <laughs> i know i i kind of <laughs> realized that 
Um, I, I think it is largely considered their best or one of their best, but I think for your purposes, it would be not a great... It, it's kind of like where Low End Theory was a really bad introduction to Tribe Called Quest for me. Uh, like, only in the sense that, like, even though people consider it their best, now that I've heard all of their records, it's... it's I okay. mean, t- t- talk about hot takes. I would say Low End Theory is probably my least favorite Trap Call Quest album. <laughs> I uh, think this is like the the second or third time in like the last like six episodes where we've we've talked about this. But <laughs> you know what? It's, it's going to become my new uh, bringing up Kanye thing, and, and uh, it's going to be your new Kanye. I mean, t- uh, to be fair, it's coincided with me listening to like I've just kind of been like whenever summer starts and I can put my windows down, it's just that that's perfect hip hop music. So I've listened to a lot of Trap Call Quest. Yeah. Um, once that's, I mean, once I move on to a new artist, I'll I'll stop breaking it up. I promise. I mean, you you you're you're right. I mean, like I I Midnight Marauders is I, I would rather put that on than Low End Theory any day. Um, so and, I mean, yeah. I, I have only myself to blame, but like I didn't like I didn't explore the rest of their discography for the longest time, and finally, one of my friends, like my friend Ryan, who's really into hip hop, like I I mentioned how I didn't really like them, and he's like, you only listen to Midnight Marauders, and so I finally did, and was like, wow, this is much better and yeah what have i been doing why did why did this I start album this is called midnight marauders <laughs> that that is this i mean i guess you can call them skits like those moments like the narrative moments on midnight Marauders are awesome yeah. um i will i wonder if uh no i'll i'll, I'll bring it up with you well i, I guess i'm just curious because i've always thought that low end theory was their most highly rated album um, I think it is, is still, which is why I, I checked it out. I mean, it's 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 just it's 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 not very dynamic. I think th- that's my biggest issue with it. Is it's, it's very much, you know. But I will say that um, the opening bar is probably yeah. like one of my favorite moments. Back yeah, in the days when I was a teenager. teenager. Yeah. Oh wow, it's, yeah. it's not even close. Yeah, it's you know four four point one two compared to 4.10 for Midnight Marauders, but it has, like, over 7,000, probably close to 8,000 more ratings than yeah. Midnight Marauders. So. That sounds right. Which, it, it's um, so weird to me that it comes in between, like, because People's in, uh, uh, I'm not going to know off the top of my head. People, people's Travels. Yeah, People's Instinctive Travels, The Passive yeah. Rhythm, is it has more, like, it's weird how they, they really simplify their sound, but then, you know, kind of jump right back up to the more you know broadly produced sound i don't know uh this is this is is not really that related to mashuga but yeah um it's probably pretty pretty far from mashuga but yeah yeah mashuga coloss i like it (laughs) and i own it so yay (laughs) well i'm I'm happy for you thank Uh, you speaking of owning albums i received an album last week that i have really enjoyed uh that you gave me and is my album of the week this week, and it's uh, Vitamin F by Fontanelle. Nice. Um, yeah, you know, I see when when this album came out, I remember. I mean, we were both vibing pretty hard with it. Um, you know, I I always I I thought that I I had kind of grown out of it in a way because I you know I had kind of grown out of jazz fusion a bit over the past few years, but like listening to this thing again, I I'm just so blown away by just sort of the sort of the way the the band kind of straddles uh two different times like the, it feels like they're sort of reshaping you know something like uh herbie hancock sexton and like bitches brew and like 
you know, uh, like kind of jazz funk avant-garde fusion albums like that into like their own language Mm -hmm. in a way. Uh, it works so well. Like yeah. it's just, yeah. I mean, what Watermelon Hands is just a great, great way to like start an album. It reminds me a lot of, um, uh, oh, the, there, there's a track off of Headhunters, and it's not Watermelon Man, but it, uh, I, I think it's, I think it's Vein Melter. Mm-hmm. It's either Sly or Vein Melter uh, that it, it reminds me a little bit of. Uh, but again, these guys just do their own thing with it, and I love it. And I also love—I uh, don't know if you remember—in the album cover, like in the album art, uh, there's a illustration of a jellyfish with a bazooka. Yes, I love the art throughout that. Uh, yeah, yeah, but well, just just the idea of a jellyfish with a bazooka is just really funny to me. It's just like, okay, out of all the animals to have weapons, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just fucking great album. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, you give me that copy because I'm really glad to have it in my collection now. Yeah, for sure. I've I've had that CD copy for a really long time. Oh yeah. Uh, speaking yeah. of speaking of Red Scroll, I happened. You know, last time I went there, there was a really really good condition vinyl copy for I think like ten bucks. And I think I think randomly we had been talking about the fact that you, um, like I mentioned, you were like, oh, I, I like I need to get a copy. So I was like, hey, like I'll just give you my CD. I'll get, I'll get on a record. And then when I re-listened to it, yeah, it's just such a cool, you know, kind of cool refresh of uh, that sound or, or like an homage. I think it, it expects a, a nice balance. Uh, my favorite yeah, part, it, yeah, go it, ahead. It's, it's definitely its own thing. Yeah, yeah. My favorite part is 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 the fact like this was just such a random out of left field release from. Southern, Southern Lord, Lord. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, it has uh, I think they overstated a little bit just for marketing purposes I think it, it says it has some guest contributions from you know dudes from Eagle Twin you know uh, Steve Moore from you know obviously Earth and, Earth and Sun and then some, some other other bands on their roster I think the core band is kind of its own thing like it's not yeah the, the way that they I think at the time the way they marketed it almost they tried to make it seem like a super group, like these like drone and doom metal artists were making a jazz record. That's not really what it is, but I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's, it's a great I, release. I, I, I kind of noticed that when I was looking through the liner notes, uh, when I was listening to it, uh, I'm like, yeah, that yeah, that, that definitely seems like a little kind of mismarketing, but you know, I mean, they, nonetheless, I mean, it's a great album. I you know, it it really sucks that there hasn't been like a follow up to it. Um, because I feel like that that's one of those albums I feel like would just work really well right about now. And it's like, been especially a while. just it's been yeah, like no, I, I'm just thinking like considering like a band like Monobody is like killing it. Like I feel like there, there's room for like someone like Fontenelle right now. Yeah, and I mean obviously this isn't uh, uh, you know like the art and music they're, they're their own things, but I, I just I feel like that was such an attention grabber for me. Like obviously, mm. a jazz record coming out Southern Lord, like that interested me. But like once I saw the cover, I was like, "Cool, that looks cool." Oh looks yeah, cool as hell. So I, 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 I don't know why they haven't released a, a new record, especially since it, it, you know learning that it's not actually a supergroup per se, um, and that it's you know because because with that you can kind of see, um, like I really loved that. XI project that uh, Stetson was involved with, and there was some other. I think it was yeah, Stetson and Greg Fox, and then a oh, few, yeah, you know, yeah. few other people from that scene. You get that like they you know got together to re- release that album, and then they kind of go off and do their own things. Uh, but it sounded like Fontanelle was you know kind of just a, a band, like they it was you know 
these people who worked together before and just made their new home band. So who knows? You, we'll see. Yeah, you, you, you never know. Yeah, I mean, it, who expected Logic to be back except for everybody? That's true. Um, <laughs> anyway. In okay. the same vein, I really hope, and I, I don't know, I mean, this kind of goes along the lines of what I was saying before, but I would really love a new tram record. Yeah, where it's uh, yeah oh a tram record was, would be yeah, really cool too was, you know the, the two guitarists from Animals as Leader obviously Tosta Bossi and I always forget his name I feel bad yeah uh, I know and I, then the the drummer from Suicidal Tendencies and then the, the woodwindist from uh, uh, Mars Volta which is like that was that was out of left field that works so fucking well um, yeah and and that I think that came out pretty much the same if not like the same year maybe like a year before a year after as vitamin f and i was like and the, you know what's even weirder is that like i think the year after that the epic came out mm. <laughs> so like this is a good period for jazz like, kind of attracting new folks new yeah years. exactly so uh, okay well uh i'd say we talk to you next week but uh we're gonna be on vacation for the next two weeks and then uh we will be back in july so thanks for listening as always Bye-bye. bye 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 Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that. Uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.